At New Belgium Brewing, we celebrate the autumn harvest by mashing pale and wheat malt with rye and oats to create a creamy cornucopia of hoppiness. Hoptober Golden Ale. Five hops form a bonfire of citrus notes, fruity cheers, and a bold finale. Throw another log on the fire and enjoy. Employee-owned, wind-powered, committed to sustainability, New Belgium Brewing. Follow your folly. Ours is beer. Find your flavor online at newbelgium.com. With additional support from Kuat Racks and Patagonia. Every trip starts the same way. Items get plucked from the regular resting places around my apartment and loaded into a bag. The how and where of the trip dictates what gets chosen. I've become really good at packing. I always have everything I need. Almost. Whether I grab handfuls of clothes and hurriedly stuff them into a duffel bag, or create a checklist, triple checking every item while rearranging how I pack my gear, I always do two things. I always bring too much to read, and I always forget one item. On a recent trip to a very rainy Montreal, I forgot a pair of shoes. I left the house in sandals and only took my bike shoes. A week-long trip to Austin, Texas, I forgot my sunscreen. Now, most of the time, whatever I've forgotten can be easily replaced, and besides, I've learned it's better than packing too much. My packing skills were influenced when I worked as a bike mechanic with a tour operator on a bicycle trip from Cairo to Cape Town. Of the 120 days, we would ride 96 and average 130 kilometers a day. Non-stop traveling in Africa was a far cry from my cushy, well-equipped life back in Toronto. Knowing all the stuff I needed to live in Toronto, I took to the recommended packing checklist with gusto. The people who had hired me had done this before, and everything on that list must have a purpose or it wouldn't be there. Right? I salivated looking at the gear list. My penchant for new stuff kicked my enthusiasm into high gear. My wallet quivered. I nurtured my inner gear junkie. I evaluated every shred of ripstop nylon and compared water purification tablets. I grabbed at anything I could imagine using on a four-month trip. Even, you know, if it wasn't on the list. There was one limitation. The equipment I needed on a daily basis would have to fit in a box. Called a red box, it was just long enough for a two-man tent and deep enough for another couple items, you know, and a few changes of clothing. I knew I'd have to be strategic. I built a box, and I packed and repacked until everything had the right place, went in the right order, and had a right priority. I packed everything else in the duffel bag that would be lashed to the roof of a support truck and accessible just once a week. Landing in Cairo on a cold desert night in January, I felt I was on an adventure. Two large duffel bags and a bike box awaited at the baggage pickup. Like a quartermaster, I rechecked my stocks and supplies. I repackaged items for easier transport and packed in the red box and duffel bag system. Each item's presence on my checklist was an affirmation that I would need it for something during my travels. I felt like preparation for the unknown was somehow possible through careful attention to the manifest. The only item I'd forgotten was toilet paper. I pressed five bucks into the hands of fellow travelers headed out for the same and my packing was complete. During our first week out of Cairo, I got a stomach bug that didn't care I had to hit the road. 
I foolishly assumed the hotel water supply would be okay from the tap, and my water tablets stayed encased in their perfect shiny foil packets. The trip and work started anyway. The first few days on a bike tour tend to be busy for the mechanic. Between requests for help, I would grab a shovel and my TP stash to scurry over a ridge, my body eager to rid itself of its unwelcome guest. As we unloaded gear each day, my daily items seemed to get heavier and heavier. Half of the box content seemed dusty from inactivity, especially the magazines and books. I mean, who wants to bury themselves in reading material when a whole new world awaits outside? Camels and donkeys were everywhere in the northern stretches of the trip. As we moved south into Kenya, elephants became as common as deer are in North America. The Ngorongoro crater in Tanzania is an ecological fishbowl. It holds nearly every form of African wildlife, aside from gorillas. Camping in the Serengeti, I fell asleep listening to lions roaring nearby. One day, one of the couples on the trip invited me to join in celebrating their anniversary while watching crocodiles and sipping sunset champagne on the Zambezi. Glimpsing the Atlantic for the first time as we headed south along the west coast of South Africa, I was reminded of my home an ocean away, and I considered my massive pile of gear. It seemed the only thing I'd forgotten, aside from the toilet paper, was why everything had seemed so crucial when I'd packed back in Toronto. With every pedal stroke, the balance of kilometers done and those yet to come shifted. I found myself using less and less of my daily items. The searing winds and the sand of the Sahara destroyed my tent zippers. It stayed rolled up most of the time. Instead, I slept on top of one of our trucks when the weather was good, and underneath when heavy thumping rain struck in Malawi. Aside from a handful of cloudy days, an ever-present sun beat down upon us. 50 degrees Celsius is hot for a Canadian used to contending with temperatures of as low as 40 below normally encountered at that time of year. The strenuous days meant I rarely had the energy at night to use the multiple flashlights I brought. When I wanted to read, I dug through the library box, where writers tossed books they'd finished. My carefully selected nesting dishes had been forsaken for one large steel bowl. It was purchased for me by one of our riders at an Egyptian truck stop. Your dishes are too small. It's silly to keep going back for food each night, Tom said as he pressed the bowl towards me. Slowly, my unused items found their way into the giant duffel stashed on the roof of the truck. Throughout the trip, I discovered what I needed to live was different than what I thought I'd needed when I was packing in Toronto. In fact, a lot of what I packed was only hindering how I experienced the places I traveled through. When we hit Cape Town, we donated anything we didn't want or need to local organizations that redistribute the items. Most of the stuff in my seldomly accessible rooftop bag went in the pile. I kept a few things because I'd signed on to travel in Europe for another two-month tour. I kept bike parts, but gave away books, a sleeping bag, and a pot set. I kept the bowl. I'd need something to eat from. And more than that, the bowl represented Tom's perspectives on travels after a lifetime of exploration. I realized that part of the fun of the trip was learning how to improvise or shopping at a local market when I didn't have the ideal item. Now when I pack, whether for fun or work, I still go through a mental checklist each time, but it's shorter. A bag of toiletry items stays well stocked, it's always ready to travel. I have bags of different sizes and styles, depending on how and where I travel. Clothing is chosen, then halved. Breaking the habit of taking too much to read is tough, but... Even if I leave books at home, I'll check out the bookshops at my destination. 
Some of my favorite books were purchased while traveling, and local shopping is a great way to get a look at a culture, even if the pickings in English are slim. One more is gone out of the busy throng. Over the seven months I traveled through Africa and Europe, I continually reduced the stuff I thought I needed each day, getting closer to the reality of need versus want. The same sentiment manifested in my life when I got home. Returning to an apartment full of keepsakes, trinkets, stuff, well, all of it just seemed to dissolve into junk. The memories represented by these things are worth hanging on to, but I don't need the literal and figurative baggage. The simplicity of what I pack frees me to immerse myself more fully in the places I visit, taking thoughts over trinkets, memories over mementos. The church bell tolls. It's sad many my name is Dean Campbell, and this is my short. Campbell lives in Toronto, where he works as a writer. His next packing job is for a 900-kilometer through hike of the Niagara Escarpment. Today's music by David Carson Daniels and Oh No, Oh No. You can download the cuts and learn more about the artists on our site, www.dirtbagdiaries.com. The shorts are listener-powered, so if you've got an idea, work it into a short essay, somewhere between 800 and 1,500 words, and send it on in to dirtbagdiaries at earthlink.net. We'll be excited to take a look. The shorts are brought to you by New Belgium Brewing, who encourages you to follow your folly. If you don't already follow them on Facebook, you should. New Belgium is involved in so much cool stuff, whether it's tour de fat, beer tastings, or creating funny videos. Check them out online on Facebook. Support for the show comes from Kuat Racks, innovators of a better bike rack. Visit them online at kuatracks.com. Additional support for the shorts comes from Patagonia. I'm Fitz Cahal, that was Dean Campbell, and you've been listening to the Dirtbag Diaries. Ah.